tonight's very special crossing broadcast on the Kinker Podcast Network brought to you by Cinch, C-Y-N-C-H dot com. You have an old propane tank lying around in the backyard? Don't worry. Our friends at Cinch.com, they'll come out, they'll take it away. They'll give you a brand new propane tank for just $10. I'll tell you something else that was $10. I remember one time I played a hand of blackjack with Cousin Sal. Great time. Anyway, Cinch.com. Use the Crossing Broad promo code, Crossing Broad, for $10. They'll take your old propane tank away and give you a new one full of propane. Everybody loves grilling. Who doesn't love grilling? Are we sure people still grill? Of course they do, and they do it on propane. But now, our friends from some random band. Kinker, are you Russ, there? It's good to be. Uh, it's good to be with you on the program again. Um, we didn't do a crossing broadcast last week because I wasn't feeling well. Um, had a little bit of a loose stool issue, if you want to call it that. Ooh. Um, but now everything's solid, and I'd say we're uh, back to normal. Congrats I'm working. On the poop. Thanks. I'm working on a new sound drop for you. I didn't edit it yet, but I got the raw thing, so I'm going to play the raw for you. Ready? Right, go ahead. You think that's a good one? You think we should uh, add that to the rotation? For all these Fredos out here. It's good, though. I've added that to... uh, I've used that a couple times on the site. I don't want to overuse it, though. I don't want to beat it to death right away. I don't want this to turn into Old Town Road. You know? Uh, Yeah, I got you. But I think, uh, you know, it's another word that I can use. I can interchange with... uh, you know, jabroni. jabroni. Jabroni's a popular one. Fredo, you know. Uh, you know, because it's not, it's not really vulgar, unless you're Chris Cuomo. He thinks it's the N-word to Italians. But, uh, you know, it's just you know something. I, that, it's another word for me to use. Let's go over our, our top few uh, Fredos. Mm-hmm. Give everybody uh, your favorite Fredo. Um, well, I mean, it's got to be Chris Cuomo right now. He's no, the one no, Fredo. no. Like, people with the name Fredo. Come on. Fredo Corleone. Be number one. One of my friends, uh, Chicken Alfredo, of course, is uh, Alfredo Fettuccine Alfredo. Ah, uh, his cousin. Um, what's the other? What's the the kind of uh, the painting that you do? Is that a fre- no? That's a fresco. That's a fresco. A fresco that's so. a fresco. Mm, mm, don't um, confuse them. Anyway, I think it's really important to point out to people. You know, we always say that we're uh, we're Philadelphia's seven for seven podcast. And while that usually kind of sticks in some people's crawls, I've seen people get upset that we say that we're a 7 for 7 podcast, yet we don't give enough time to the Philly Fusion. Don't worry, that'll be coming at some point. I do want to point out, and and you wrote the post for CrossingBroad.com, Philly's most irreverent sports blog, that um, Anthony Gargano, the cuz, he is working to catch up to us. He's not at 7 for 7 yet, but he's at 5 for 5. I'm going to break it down for the people really quickly. Yeah, he's declared uh, that the Philadelphia Union uh, have made have entered the conversation, and that we are now five for five sports town. You know, I mean, Duh. he said it. He said it, not me. Like, people were getting mad. They're like, "Oh, the Union, fucking blah blah blah, whatever." Soccer is stupid and whatever. But I didn't say it. Like the Cuz said it. Okay, not Duh, once that- have I ever have I ever tried to force that into the convo i've never said like soccer makes this a five for five town whatever the fuck you know 
Um, you got the IBEW, you got the Teamsters, you got the Teachers Unions. Oh, I love them all, Bo. Now, this wasn't, like, I don't think it was on the air. I think it was, like, a, just a little side thing that they do at Jim. Like, a, I think it's a partnership with the team. I don't think it's, like, an ad. I wouldn't call it an advertisement, right, because they're not advertising for the union. But it wasn't, like, in their regular. It wasn't, like, they called up Jim and said, hey, come on the show. It was just something that they set up on the side, right? Um, yep. But I don't think that fucking matters. Like, what does it matter? Because Gar- it's not like they're paying Gargano you know a thousand dollars to say this word or this word it's not an ad read you know gargano's not out there like cinch is an ad read you know or like um popeye's chicken sandwich would be like an ad read like go to popeyes.com and you can get a free chicken sandwich blah 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 enter the hashtag chicken uh wars or something right that's an ad read okay this is not this is not an ad Read. This is Gargano saying. I'm just picturing. I'm picturing the uh, the Chick Fil A cow and the lady from the uh, Popeyes commercials. You want one of my biscuits? And <laughs> Louisiana fast. Is that what it is? Louisiana. Did you know anybody? I never heard um, people pronounce Lu- Louisiana as Louisiana. Apparently, uh, you've never I, been in a Popeyes commercial. Until I moved to well, when I moved to Georgia, my first anchor, I wrote, I wrote Louisiana on the on the teleprompter, and she starts reading, and she goes, "Down here in Louisiana," I'm like, "What the fuck does that mean, Louisiana?" Or if they just like to cut out some syllables, yeah. it's okay. Or if you're British and Southern, you would say Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> um, but here's oh, what the cuz. Oh, that pooper. <laughs> here's what the cuz said. He said. You know, it's funny because I created the four for four. Come on, you gotta you gotta and try when, to read it like the cuz. Come on. No, I can't just read a little it like bit. the Let me just read the thing so people understand what I'm talking about. You know, it's funny because I created the four for four and when I did it was just more for a euphemism for this was years ago when I was at the other station, but this was just a euphemism for hometown. You you guys at the Philadelphia Union didn't even exist. It was a euphemism for hometown. It's amazing. It certainly is five for five now. Mm. Okay, so I don't know what there is a dis- dispute. The Cuz said it. Did you know that the Cuz created the four for four? I didn't know he did. I don't know if he did. I feel like this is a Trumpian moment out of him. To be you think honest, he's I, just cla- you think he's claiming it? Yeah, I I can't imagine. Why no would why would, why would he seems Aunt like Lye, a simply delightful man? But I, like four for four, like that four for four seems like something that's been in the vernacular for decades, right? I mean, I know he's been around, but. But really, he's the guy. I mean, maybe uh, he is. I don't know. I, I can't, don't know. I, I don't know. That was the first I heard. Of it. I don't know what the genesis of it was. I I thought. See, I thought back in the day it was when the Flyers, when when you were just trying to lump all of it together, because weren't the Flyers a little bit slower to be accepted in the you know with the rest of the teams, right? Because they were yeah, founded they won, a little bit later, won some Stanley Cups and and everything changed. Right, but Gargano like they're wasn't going to the this radio. year. Yeah, yeah. See what he did there. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to do an investigate a crossing broad investigation into that. Um, who the fuck are my kid? I don't have time. I don't have time to investigate anything. I'm doing like eight stories a day for the site. Well, as Sam Dinellen once pointed out, none of us are journalists <sighs> anyway. So, uh, well, we smoothed that over. There's no Dinellen. Yeah, there's no Dinellen beef here. I don't even know Sam. Like I knew I I knew John Smallwood. Um, who took? Who also took a buyout? Sam took a buyout 
um, John Smallwood took a buyout. Rick O'Brien took a buyout. I didn't, I didn't know him either, but, um, yeah, that was all, uh, I don't know. It just thought it was strange that he came out like, uh, he was upset that I had his job description or his like, uh, not his job description, his like resume wrong in the story I wrote, but I couldn't find, like you go to the Inquirer website and I can't find like some of the bios they have written out for the employees just say like, I cover the flyers, you know, like they can't, um, they can't be arsed to just say like Sam Dinellon has been at the Philadelphia Daily News since um, 1992. He spent X years doing this. He wrote this story. He won this award for this. Like, I, like it's a shame that these <laughs> like they don't have nobody put any time into putting together like a real bio for any of these guys, you know. So sure. I didn't see that. I like I thought it was incomplete, and so I just went. I just went. I googled like Sam Dinellon, Sam Dinellon like biography, and. Um, I found something on Muckrack that said that he wrote for these other newspapers, but I guess he I guess he didn't write for those newspapers. I guess there was some kind of, I don't know, there might have been some syndication thing where his work was picked up by those other papers, but whatever. I said, sorry, man, I, I didn't mean for it to be inaccurate. I just don't think you got to be a dick about it. And he's like, no, it's all right. It's, it's all good. So so we smoothed it over, man. There was no war. There was no, you know, there was no, there was no war to be had there. Okay. Well, I'm glad. But this is Denali. let's wrap let's wrap he up. He seemed like custody. a nice enough guy at Flyers games. He had the uh, the nice sweaters. He really he really had a no. Like and Mr. He, Rogers and he and those dudes he and those dudes were like on a, Daily News like a, Yeah, Daily News Live all the time back in the day. Man, I watched it. Uh, but listen, because uh, where can I find that on TV? Is that st- oh that's right okay, because right. I don't I don't give a shit. I, I don't want people coming to me saying, well, he you know he just he just said that because it's like an, a paid thing with the union or they just do this thing on the side. I don't give a fuck. Nobody Gargano doesn't have to come out and say certainly it's a five for five. It's five for five. Now, he doesn't have to say that at all. So at the end of the day, the cuz said it, then it is what it is. It's not me saying it. So everybody who's disputing that can get the fuck over themselves, right? Well, I mean, in fairness, I mean, Gargano's not exactly going to... I think he likes to pander, which is okay. Oh, I know. I know he does, but it... I don't like. I, don't I met care. Jim like, Curtin, and I, I wanted to scream in his face, like, why the hell is Ray Gattis still starting it right back? But I didn't. I didn't, because... That's what the cuz uh, says to people who doubt what he says. doubt him when he uh, wow. when he's he's declaring what's five for five. But listen, Russ, starting soon, it's only going to be one for one, a one for one sports town because your Philadelphia Eagles are about to get started. Mm. Are you excited for yeah. Eagles Ravens tomorrow preseason game number three? No. Are you excited for the Josh McCown era to begin? Oh, I'm glad that we finally got Drago to uh to play quarterback here i think it's it's just delightful are you excited um that the this brings an end to the did you or did you have a take at all on the capper you know why didn't the eagles bring in kaepernick thing did you have any josh mccown kaepernick i don't remember seeing any takes uh in slack chat i think it was kind of mute on that you were kind of mute i think it's just because we're talking about two guys that are effectively irrelevant in the conversation so um, I, I don't know. I, I really want to hear from people on this kind of thing, but I, I constantly kind of ask myself the question, like, has, has the Super Bowl win just made me soft? Because for a long time, I, I lived and died with the preseason, right? Like, I was excited about the guys that were going to fill out the back end of this roster. And, and now, as much as I can't believe I'm saying it, and, like, the, uh, the inner fan in me for decades hates to say it, like, I, I really don't care. And I think part of it is just because of the culture that's been built up with preseasons in every sport and the fact that they're just so meaningless that having four preseason games, especially when your quarterback doesn't play, 
it, it there's just nothing to look forward to in this. Now, if if you're somebody who likes to try to, you know, put your takes on Twitter that like there's this guy who played for like the Division 3 school who like ran a 4.740 at his pro day, but that's because it was wet outside and wait until he gets in pads and you're going to see how quick he is. And like now he's in contention for a final spot then like cool, like good for you. That's your thing. Mm-hmm. But I like to me Anytime people get like really riled up about the the last couple of spots on the roster and and they're getting really upset about it, it's like ultimately those people really shouldn't play much of a role. Like you're gonna have inactives every no, week, right? yeah, you're so, right. I mean, it's nice to see like Deshaun cool Deshaun story. Hall doing well and you know sure. pushing pushing it and making a name for himself. But I mean, yeah, I mean we're talking about roster roster spot fifty two and fifty three. You know, it's like that's gonna make or break anything that happens this season, you know? So I get why. Yeah, and like, and it's, and to me, People it's like always excited. about, off, it's like, it's off the field stuff, right? Like, the year that the Eagles brought in uh, Villanueva, and it was just like, man, this guy's massive. If they can just figure out something to do with him, like, it, it would be a really cool story, right? Yeah. And then they, they let him go, and then he ends right, up he becoming a, a stud for the Steelers. Yeah. And so, like, there's, I wouldn't say it's exactly a parallel situation here, but like, the fact that the Eagles kind of caught the headlines, even though, you know, Carson Wentz isn't starting. And even though, um, you know, Nate Studfeld is uh, is now out, you know, you go out and you, and you get permission to uh, to sign a tackle from the army. Like, that's that's cool. Like, it's a it's a nice little off field story. And since you don't have the access again, a thing that Kyle and I used to rag on and 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 question openly uh, for months since there's no real inside access to the Eagles, there's no version of a of a local take on hard knocks or or anything that's like a behind the scenes look, you know, over the course of training camp. I mean, you get a, a little headline like that, and it it feels like there's just one thing that can kind of pull you as a fan and and get you entertained or at least drawn into rooting for somebody because otherwise, like a lot of the roster is kind of already set, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, it's I not, know. I mean the, most of the, like when you go and look at different, different writers and they're like 53 man projections and stuff like that, most of them are all, are pretty much identical. The only thing that's really different is when they say, well, I, you know, maybe they'll carry six wide receivers instead of five or something, or maybe they'll carry yep. X amount of this position versus that position. But you know, on the, on the, the chances that they're similar in number, the, the players that they're selecting aren't different. I think linebacker is really the only kind of like question mark out there. I mean, like who the last guy might be, but um, yep. I have kind of two Eagles points. Uh, number one with the McCown thing and Sudfeld and Thorson and Kessler, and then the Kaepernick stuff that like inevitably comes with it. Like part of me is sitting here saying, I'm like, I'm like self self myopic, which is not a great word, but I couldn't really think of another word, but what I mean is that on one hand, I'm sitting here saying, like, who gives a fuck about the, the starting quarter or um, about the backup quarterback? Like, who gives a flying fuck about the backup quarterback? Because if Carson Wentz goes down, they're fucked anyway. And then I sit here and think, oh, well, uh, well, Carson Wentz went down last year and the year before, and Nick Foles got him a Super Bowl. Like, literally, because they put time and effort and money into the backup quarterback position, that's why the Eagles have a Super Bowl trophy. Yeah. So I under, so like when I think about it, I'm like, well, yeah, we should talk a lot about the backup quarterback position because that's that was a huge thing back then. I don't I don't think I think Josh McCown is a guy who I don't know how to explain this. I, I don't think Josh McCown comes. I don't I don't think you're gonna lose a game because of him. Like I don't think he's gonna lose you a game. Um, I don't know if he if at this point in his career he's gonna win you a game. Um, 
but I mean, he's steady. He's a veteran. He's, you know, played recently. I, I think the thing with him is that, you know, you know what he is. He's like, he's a known quantity, you know, and everybody who always brings up Kaepernick, like I, you just, I, I don't, I don't know what he is. Nobody knows what he is, you know, because he hasn't played since 2016, you know? Um, yep. and even then he had the Niners were terrible that year, but he had the shoulder surgery the year before in 2015. I, I personally don't think, and we don't have to spend too much time with this cause I'm sure on sports radio and everywhere it's been, people have been beaten over the head with it, whatever. But I don't, I don't think the Kaepernick circus is, is Big. I think that narrative is a little blown out of proportion, to be honest, because first of all, the Philly media is going to blow anything out of proportion anyway. Like there's already like 90, like 85 reporters down there. And anyway, you know, when Tebow was down, there was a shit show. When Michael Vick was there, it was a shit show. And you did have people who like boycotted the Eagles and said they weren't going to watch them because they were like animal people and they couldn't believe that they signed a dog killer, you know? Um, but eventually that subsided, you know, and he was apologetic and he was remorseful and he ended up playing well, which is probably more important. And, uh, that all subsided after a while. So I don't, I don't think, you know, and with the way the Eagles locker room is and the way that the culture is down there, I don't, I I can't see how that would be a lingering thing unless there was like some kind of beef between, between Malcolm Jenkins and Colin Colin Kaepernick or something like that. But I don't, I don't, I don't really think that would be as, as big of a deal as people, as people would say. So. Yeah, it's it's a tricky situation, I guess, because to me, it, it, you already said it, but like if if Carson Wentz goes down, like the team's screwed, right? I mean, the, I think the defense is going to be solid. I think they're the defense is going to be good enough to win you a game. Um, I think the backfield is at least somewhat encouraging, um, without there being a, a real standout back. Like I know that Howard's a good back. Um, I like what I'm seeing from Sanders, but like well, everybody says, Miles. Everybody thinks Miles Sanders is going to be the number one, yeah. and and it, and that's fine. But again, it's preseason, so like once once you get the pads on and the games start to matter, then we'll find out if Sanders is really as good as people think he is. But like this idea to me that like that Colin Kaepernick, a, a few years removed from playing football, is supposed to be like this this great signing for the team, like I. I, I fundamentally don't get it. And, like, I know that people like to come back to the Vic thing. Vic was two years younger than Kaepernick is now. He was 29. Now, granted, he, yep. Yeah, and, and so, like, granted, Vic missed two years because he was in prison. Fine. Vic was also coming in in, in an age 29 season where you could say that, like, he left the league at age 26. He was in his physical prime. And at age 29, he didn't pick up the uh, the wear and tear on his body that, you know, he would have had if he had continued playing in the league. And Colin Kaepernick, like, I get it. He's been out of the league for a bit. Um, but to me, he was never really the, the kind of exciting transcendent talent that people thought Vic was. Like, if Michael Vick plays, true, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't get arrested, Michael Vick is probably a guy who is at least in conversations, and I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm just saying... If he continued that his run of play, his completion percentage had dropped his last two years he was with Atlanta, but he was around a 50-odd percent passer. In, in his starts with the Falcons, he was a 54% career um, passer on completion percentage. He's a guy to me that, like, at some point, there would have been an interesting Hall of Fame debate about. If he had kept playing, if he had not gone to prison, if he had stayed with the same team, it... it wouldn't have been a, a guarantee, but I think it would have at least been an interesting conversation because especially 
the dynamic skill set that he brought to the table. He rushed for 2,400 plus yards in consecutive seasons before going to jail. Like there mm-hmm. was so much stuff that, that went, or sorry, that's incorrect. That's uh, his passing yards. Yes. Uh, um, 2,400 rushing but, yards for, <laughs> that would have been, I was like, holy crap. Um, but like the thing about him was, you know, he was so dynamic. He was so good. And like, sure, there was a little bit of a drop off towards the end of his time with Atlanta. But, like, I don't know if anybody ever felt like Colin Kaepernick was going to be that guy. He was never – it's not that being exciting is the thing that puts you over the top as a as a player in the league. But I, I remember Kaepernick He did play being, in a Super Bowl, though, you know? He did. He did. He also he wasn't an, He wasn't a nobody. He wasn't a nobody, though. I mean – Sure. I think people – I think people got so caught up in like the protest and whatnot that people like actually forget <laughs> like what exactly he was, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he was good for a couple of years I mean, in the night and the Niners fell off really, really hard, you know? Um, but I, I don't, one final Kaepernick point and then I'll make my other Eagles point. Um, everybody says like, everybody acts all shocked that he's like being black. They said, well, he's being blackballed. You know, um, well, I mean, no shit. Like if, if you, if I like did things that harmed my former employers or hurt business, or if I, if I brought negative attention, like if I brought negative attention to Philly voice, CBS three, and I went out publicly and I said like, Kyle is a jabroni or something, right? Like, and then I complained that they wouldn't hire me. (laughs) Like why, like, why are we? Why would anybody be acting surprised about that, you know? Like, and then you have the lawsuit, and then it was settled. And then Eric Reed, um, you know, comes back and signs. And then you got people saying he's a hypocrite for taking money, you know, and, and whatever. So that whole that whole thing with the blackballing thing never made sense to me. I mean, of course, if you brought negative attention to your employer and or, or a previous employer, and then, like, you complained and then filed a lawsuit, like, of course, nobody's going to want to hire you. So um, Here's the thing, though. This is I think this is the one thing that's that's – kind of uh been left out of out of this i don't think colin kaepernick wants to play football i think he's a smart enough guy to realize the damage that football does to your brain and he essentially has like carte blanche like at this point there there is no way for him to lose in in a given scenario he chooses to remain quiet about his prospects of, of returning to the nfl he lets everything up to speculation there was the rumor that um, Denver had approached him about a contract and he wanted to uh, sign for like at least 20 million a year. Oh, uh, right. Elway, none of, what Elway like, said about like, it. Yeah. yeah, like none of it really matters. But the thing is, he doesn't play, he's supported, and he's not putting his body at risk. And by the way, there's income coming in by virtue of his, his uh, deal with Nike. I, I, like, I think he's smart. There's no reason for him to play. He has people defending him. He's not out in the public eye where he's getting booed in every stadium he goes into, right? Like, mm-hmm. to me, I think he's living his best version of his life. I don't know if Colin Kaepernick decided at some point that he wanted to be the best quarterback to ever play the game. Maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. an inherent thing that you expect in all players. Or maybe he just said, damn, man, if I can make millions of dollars to, like, continue to advocate for something that I believe is is an issue in our country, and I can get endorsement money from Nike... And I can have a pretty po- a pretty positive perception within a community that I'm trying to represent. Like that to me is not a bad life to live. No, it's and not. him playing football isn't going to change anything. Him playing football isn't going to take the naysayers and the people who like burned his jerseys. That's not going to turn them around. 
So to me, like, there's a no-win situation for him to even entertain the idea of going back to the NFL. So I don't think this is as much on a team for not signing him as much as it is like, I'm just not sure that it's in his best interest for him to play. So here's my second um, Eagles point, and this is something that Doug was asked about the other day, and he, he talked about, and something people have been talking a lot about. Um, but since no starters are, or starters are barely playing, like, at all in the preseason, um, and people hate preseason football as it is, they talk a lot about how joint practices are better for them because they can control situations. You know, I mean, you're going up against another team. I uh, say, okay, let's do you know, 15 reps of red zone or something like that. You know, you, you can only do that in a preseason game if the operative, you kind of stumble into that opportunity, you know, I mean, you can't set it up on your own. So what would you, how would you feel about some kind of, what if they reduce the preseason games from like four to three or four to two and they made one or more of the, the joint practices an open session for fans and that was a way to kind of circumnavigate or fix the problem of okay, we don't we, we're not going to do open training camp anymore, but we also don't like preseason. So why don't we do like one if we're going to tra- train with the Ravens or the Dolphins or an AFC team or something like that, and we're going to set up these situations? Why don't we let some of the fans in, and then we'll, we'll emulate a, a real crowd at the same time too, and, and do it that way? You know, because if if we're basically saying that preseason is shit and there's no point of it then let's fill that with something else. I don't know if it's a great idea, but I'm just sort of like spitballing and thinking of like what might make sense instead. Well, that that also assumes that your team is tone deaf enough to think that it's okay to only have one open practice for your fans. So, I mean, for a lot of markets where that's not the case, I, I think people would think it's unnecessary. And this one, like maybe it actually would be a nice idea. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I, 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 I almost wonder if it's worth doing some kind of an incentive for teams to care and and try in the preseason like um i know that that the conversation had been had and i think you and i had discussed it about how um adam silver and the nba was talking about doing a mid-season tournament to kind of emulate what they do in soccer like what if what if the nfl decided to incentivize preseason i don't know how you would do it you can't there's no, but, there's no way but you like, could do it. but imagine imagine if it netted you an extra pick in the draft or it netted you some cap space. No, because then they just say, I mean, they're not, but they're never going to do that anyway because the NFL is in talks to extend the the season to the 18 season games. To 18 so games. you go 18 yep. and then you chop two of those games anyway. But I, how about this? Oh, no, I'd expand the preseason chop- to six games no, to go with an 18-game regular season because do- we need to make sure that uh, Joey Joey Jabroni from Allegheny State makes the the roster, at least makes the final week. Why don't we do this? As being player number 54. Here's an idea. Why don't don't we we just expand the teams? Why don't we just expand the roster size? Why don't we do 18 games? Why don't we do 18 regular season games, but we'll axe the preseason entirely, but teams will do more joint practices instead where they can set up the situations how they like. Um, I think that's fine. You know, and then you're not rolling out, you know, Tom... Tom Fredo from, you know, North Carolina um, State University of Idaho, of Idaho, you know, A&T, you know, and, and getting injured or whatever. I mean, there's it, it feels like there's a better way to do it. I feel like we're inevitably going towards that. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I wanted to segue that. Well, not really segue, but switch that into um, the Jerry Jones and Zeke Elliott thing is kind of interesting to me because. Zeke holds out. Okay, whatever. Like running backs aren't valued. You know, they have a short 
shelf life. He's carried the ball a million times in three years. He wants to get his money before his, his legs fall off, right? Like, I don't blame him. Um, Jerry Jones comes out and he makes the Zeke who joke, you know. Um, Zeke's camp gets offended by it. And then Jerry says, today, I've earned the right to... Basically, he says, I've earned the right to joke about it, to say whatever the fuck I want to say. Mm. I agree because Jerry Jones has had... I agree with Jerry Jones for the first time ever because Zeke has been in all kinds of off-field trouble over the years, and Jerry's had his back the entire way. You know, the suspension for the domestic violence thing. Um the Seattle stupid weed visit before the game up there, you know, the speeding ticket he has the, um, the Las Vegas incident with, with pushing the security guard there. Um, Jerry Jones could have said, fuck off. I'm not, you know, we're not dealing with this, but he's had his back while he's given them some bullshit. So I don't, I don't disagree with him. Like he can say whatever the hell he wants to say. And like, if you're going up against Jerry Jones, who is a shrewd businessman. You can say many things about him, but he's a shrewd businessman and he knows what he's doing. Like what, what, what exactly, what does Zeke think he's going to get? So I don't know. They get, they got to take, take care of Dak and Amari Cooper first anyway, because they're unrestricted free agents before Zeke is. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, that Jerry Jones might be one of the best governors. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Owners. I guess. Yeah. The NFL. Yeah. Yeah. They still use owners. Huh? Um, I, I think that Jerry Jones should continue to uh, to watch his team implode. I think he should continue to stoke these flames. I think the Zeke thing is just fun because it's like I've I've never seen a a, a belly shirt wearing Ewok try to uh, take on a, a a multi-billionaire. But I'm enjoying every second of it. I think it's perfectly fine. Um, I I gotta say though, I'm I'm a little bit confused seeing all of the Cowboys love for Dak, and I know that that they're indoctrinated and so they have to think that like Dak Prescott is the second coming but like the idea that he should be getting 40 million a year and that he allegedly turned down 30 million plus per season to pursue 40 is nuts to me and the fact that like Cowboys fans are trying to use the Carson Wentz contract as as like a a stepping stone is like bonkers to me Um, yeah I mean I I think you could I think if we were objective here which I think we are I think Carson Wentz is a little bit overrated locally, um, and especially because he's he's coming off of, you know, not being able to stay healthy, and that is the most important thing at this point. Availability for your team is going to be the number one asset that that you hopefully bring to the table. I think he's a wonderful player. I do think that there's a possibility that people are going to think that he's you know the uh, the magician that we saw before the knee injury, and I think it's a little bit unfair to put those kind of expectations on him although he has a ton of weapons. Dak is is a guy who, like, all right, they needed to go out and trade a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Outside of Amari, like, what exactly are the, the weapons that he's got to work with? And now that Zeke is out, and if Zeke continues to hold out, like, what exactly does Dak have to throw to? Yeah, I don't know, I if, mean, I don't know if Dak Prescott is a guy who... I think he's a guy you can win with. I don't think he's a guy who wins games for you. Does that make sense? That distinction, like I don't see, yeah, I don't I, see I him really. I don't, though, but I don't, see, I don't see him elevating the play of people around him. I see him as a good quarterback who you, who you can. They want a playoff game with him. Um, yeah, but I, I don't. I don't. I'm not like looking at him and saying like, okay, he he's gonna like make a play in the fourth quarter of. So I, I don't know. I have to. I have to remember. I I'm trying to remember what Jerry happened Jones in that is, game last year. 
Jerry Jones, the GM, I think is is tying his quarterback's hands behind his back. Like this, here's why I think Dak's an idiot for not taking thirty million. It's not that he can't prove conceptually that he could be worth forty million. It's I don't think he has the weapons around him to put up the numbers that are required of a forty million dollar per year quarterback. I think that's his problem. Like if he, yeah, if yeah. if you give him if you give him this Eagles team, right? If you give him this set of of weapons that the Eagles have. I think he probably is able to put up numbers that justify him being a 35 plus million dollar quarterback. I don't think he's bad. I think he's actually quite good. I I disagree with you. I do think that he can win you games uh, if for no other reason than the fact that like he's still a dynamic player. He's he's got a good set of wheels on him. I I just don't think that right now like it it's unfair to expect him to go out and put up bonkers numbers to justify his contract demands because quite frankly I just don't think it's there. So I, I, that's why, like, I think Eagles fans and Cowboys fans are both dopey in this, but it's fine. I, again, like any kind of drama that comes out of uh, Dallas is perfectly fine with me because, uh, well, look, I think they're, they're going to need a little bit of a distraction down in Dallas because uh, their, uh, their XFL team that they're really excited about, uh, not, so, not so great. Yeah. Yeah, so let's do an exercise. Because we, we love always, doing exercises on the podcast. Yeah, we always like to do an exercise on the on the program. Um, the XFL uh, today announced the names and uh, the logos. Um, you know, the crests revealed the crests for all of the teams. I can't show you those since this is not a visual medium. But why don't I go down the list? I'm going to read them to you, and you tell me if you like it, or or, or you tell me if it does anything for you. Okay. Yeah. How about the Dallas the Dallas Renegades? Not doing it. Not that bad. Not that bad. But not good. I keep hitting the wrong one. Yeah. Um, the Houston Roughnecks. That's a terrible name. The L.A. Wildcats. Why does L.A. need another football team that nobody's going to go see? Yeah. Um, don't we have enough Wildcats as it is? Or what the fuck? How how boring is that? The Kentucky Wildcats, the Arizona Wildcats, the... Uh... If you said to me, like, what are the odds that the uh, the LA team manages to fill their stadium? I would, I'd probably say there's... Uh... Well, we can talk about... There you go. Who, oh God, which wrestler used that bullshit? Come on. D, was it D-Generation? D-Generation? No, come on, man. Oh, it was Shane McMahon. Wasn't it Shane McMahon? No. Vince McMahon. His, yes, there okay. you go. <laughs> the guy who owns the XFL. Boom, 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 boom. At the New York Guardians. Say that again? The New York Guardians. Uh, that's fine. New York's gonna need some guardians to protect them from uh, James Dolan. Here's point, here's right? what I don't get. Like the video they did these videos for the XFL where they would you know they narrate like a little thing. They'd say like like if it was the the Philadelphia Eagles for example, they'd say the eagle is a symbol of America, flying high over the competition, while Deshaun Jackson flies past defenders. We are the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, like a little like snippet or some shit like that. 
So yeah. New York, they roll out this like motif. It's like gargoyles, right? And they got these like gargoyles sitting over top of Manhattan, like looking at New York. I'm like, ah, that's that's kind of unique. That's a little different. Um, and they're like the guardians of the city, not the galaxy, but the city, right? Um, but then the the logo is like a cat. It's like a what does it look like? It looks like a saber toothed cat or something. It doesn't look like a gargoyle. What if they just called them the New York Guardians, but it was like a front facing like gothic looking gargoyle Fredo dude, you know? Sure. The St. Louis Battlehawks. These, these, these aren't these aren't good. Like the the Battlehawks, I think Battle of all of them. Battlehawks are fine. It looks like a um like one of the symbols that you would get in a Super Smash Brothers, like where they have the yeah. uh, I don't know what they're called. You know what I'm talking about? Like the symbols, like the little white, oh, uh, yeah, white yeah, yeah. cartoon symbol things that like, yeah. How about the Seattle Dragons? Yeah. That's dumb. The Tampa Bay I don't get Vipers. That one. The Tampa Bay Vipers. That's fine. I'm okay with the Vipers. The, I think it's a it's a crafty enough logo. It's okay. The DC Defenders. Uh, no. So who, so, so what, what exactly is the target here? Because Dallas, Houston, L.A., New York, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and D.C. all already have NFL teams. St. Louis is the only XFL franchise that's going to be a standalone, well, you know, unique to its city, right? So are they just hoping that these are big markets that already have football fans and they want football so bad that they're going to watch, you know, the L.A. fucking Wildcats in February after the Super Bowl is over? Or would it have made more sense for them to go to, like, uh, Oklahoma City or, uh, you know, Albuquerque or something. I, I don't know. Um, well, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that Vince McMahon doesn't actually want this to work. Vince McMahon like, doesn't, I, I think he doesn't want this to he, work? He doesn't want it to work. No, I think he's already given up on it. Ready for this? He's got he's got a squad that's gonna help him take it down. There you go. He's bringing in uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Is that we'll is Kevin that what Nash. they said? Is that like the and Scott Hall? Wow. Yeah. Said uh, Razor go. Ramon, also known as yeah, Razor until, Ramon until and the, Diesel, uh, the bad guy. Very 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 uh, tricky. Uh, tricky lawsuit that they were in after that so gotta be careful doesn't it feel anyway. like uh like um like the marvel universe uh they outsourced marvel to come up with these names or something the guardians the battle hawks the defenders yeah, this isn't good um, the xfl like here's the thing i think the xfl could be fine but what's the problem with the xfl kevin the last time they had the xfl everybody went absolutely out of their minds thinking that like that was going to be the thing that was going to have like stone cold stunners at at the uh, at the 50 right people were like oh my god do you think if a if a running back is getting ready to run out of bounds you think somebody's going to like rock bottom him and then give him the people's elbow and throw their helmet into the crowd <laughs> it was like there was nothing the there pen. was nothing unique like you needed you needed like good old jr out there or something right like to stand not to be like the play by play guy but like him. to just be down like to be down on the side and there's just like a bam you know the quarterback gets sacked I'm gonna tell you something. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of things in my day. I've never seen a man die like that on the sideline. You know, it's just like at some point you just have to you have to hope that something's gonna go well for this thing. But the XFL, I don't think, is set up to succeed. The only way that this goes well is if the pass interference rule uh, in the NFL, the being able to actually review it, 
Like, if if that goes over poorly and people really start to turn on the NFL, which they won't, uh, then okay. Like, maybe the XFL just says, like, yeah, I remember when they initially came back and they ran their initial promo, they uh, they talked about how, like, the rules were going to be simple, a catch is a catch. Like, okay, if, if that's going to be the pitch that, like, everything's going to just be streamlined, it's going to make a lot more sense than, than cool. But, like, these logos, these teams, like, this just doesn't do it for me. Like, I don't get it. So, um... Do you think that an XFL? See, here's the thing: like the AAF, um, they had pretty good ratings for the first like two or three weeks, right? And then the thing just sure. like, and then what's his name, uh, Jabroni Roni from the Carolina Hurricanes bought it, bought the whole league, and then it folded. So because yeah, he just wanted, he the just tech. wanted the tech. Um, but I mean, did we learn what 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 did we what did we learn? from the AAF that is then applicable to the second go round of the XFL. Did we learn anything from that or was it too short of a, of a time period to gather any real information? I don't, I don't think we really learned all that much. Like, I don't know what the XFL is going to be able to do to differentiate themselves. Like if, if the idea is that the game is the same, but it's less talented guys, less athletic yeah. guys, then like ultimately it doesn't matter. It's it's like watching, it's the difference between if you're a soccer fan watching like the EPL and watching like the Air Divisie. Like you you might be able to find a couple of teams that you really get behind or think play an interesting style, but like at the at the same time, like it's just a lower level. I don't have to tell you. I'm pulling for uh, Oliver Luck uh, to be successful though. He's the XFL commissioner. Um, I like Oliver Luck because he's got two uh, connections uh, to things that I am into. Um, he was a West Virginia alumnus, um, and he was the athletic director uh, back in the day, a couple years ago, like 2014, I think he quit. And uh, he was also an MLS executive, too. Bet you didn't know that. Okay. Houston Dynamo. So I'm cheering for them to be successful. Uh, I just don't... I don't really know where the XFL is. I don't. I don't really feel like it's. I'm not really sure exactly what the strategy is here. You know, I don't know if they're targeting. I don't see anything that jumps out to me that says, oh, "Okay, they're going to carve out like their own little niche here." I think they're just kind of riding the wave of people want f- more football, and we're going to give them more football. You know, because the season's going to start in February uh, February um, of 2020. So. We'll see. Is it really bad if I say that? Like, I I don't know if people need more football. I almost feel like people need less football. I personally don't. I personally don't need more football because I'm a college football fan, um, which I wrote about on the website today. So I when I when I watch, I probably consume twice as much football as the average NFL fan does during football season. So I can't speak to whether or not like the typical Philadelphia Eagles fan from, you know, South Philly or something like that, whether, whether who watches only NFL, whether they hunger or thirst for more football after the Super Bowl, you know, if they're not watching on Saturdays, I'm watching Saturday and Sunday and I'm done. I've had enough and I'm done the Sixers beat anyway. Right. So, so maybe I'm not the best example, but I don't know if those people are looking for more football because it, but it seems like that's what the XFL is saying. It's like, well, football's great. People want it. Let's give more of it when the NFL season's over. I mean, that seems like the extent of the, of the, of the premise here, right? Yeah. 
Um, I also That's, wrote. I I think we we just did more talk about the XFL than I think the XFL has done for themselves. Well, so. more and we did Kudos more and us. we did more XFL talk than Eagles talk, which shows you how interest, interested we are in the preseason right now. Um, I pissed off some people today because I wrote a fantastic column. It wasn't really a column. It was just 10. It was a list. 10 reasons why college football is better than the NFL. Um, now, basically, you could just boil it down to, like, I went to a f- college football school. Therefore, I think college football is better than the NFL. But I'm going to give you my li- my reasons, okay? Go There's on. more pageantry in college football. True. Right? The band is playing. The student section's going crazy, you know cheers and chants and things like that they're like choreographed you know um the the extent of what we do at the lincoln financial field is fly eagles fly after a touchdown right but there's no like organization there's no it's just kind of people like responding to what's happening on the field you know it's it's whatever um yep. the right i think the number two i think the rivalries are more interesting okay russ what do you, what is the most notable rivalry in the nfl what's the biggest rival rivalry game um, I, I would say Dolphins Jets. I'm just kidding. Is it Cowboys Eagles Pack, Ca- Packers I, I Bears? It's, it's probably like, I don't. I don't Packers know, Vikings. Packers, Packers Bears. Yeah, I'd say Packers Bears. Okay, so a, did you? Is yeah. that more intriguing than Alabama Auburn, Ohio State Michigan, Oklahoma Texas no. Army Navy? Nope. Okay, they're not even nope. close. You know. Um, number three, this is my favorite thing about college football, but this is also why some people hate it. I get it. Right. Okay. Just different, different Mm -hmm. opinions here. Um, but there's, you see different offenses, different defenses, different styles in college football. Okay. Like, uh, people in the NFL ain't running triple option. They ain't running air raid, you know, how mummy and Paul Johnson ain't ain't coaching in, in the NFL, but college is kind of like a staging ground for new ideas and different things that then eventually get absorbed into the NFL. Right. The Wildcat read option RPO that Doug Peterson used, that all originated in college. That all starts there, you know. Um, in the NFL, you're sitting in a 4-3 or a 3-4 base, and then you go to nickel for about 60 to 70% of the game, right? Um, college, you see weird stuff. You see 3-3-5 stack. You know, you see 4-2-5. You see all kinds of, like, weird variations and stuff. So that's why it's more interesting to me from a tactical kind of standpoint. Oh, not from a tactical standpoint, but from a deployment kind of standpoint, I guess, right? Number four, September games actually matter. Um, you know, Miami uh, loser loser face Manny Diaz, who ghosted the Temple Owls, uh, plays Florida on Saturday. And the loser of that game is probably out of the playoff, right? Okay, so that game means something. The Eagles can go out and lose week one, and it doesn't matter, right? Um, number five, games are played on Saturdays. I'd rather sit there and watch football all day on Saturday and I can sleep in the next day. I don't want to watch, like, the 8 o'clock game on Sunday and I know i got to go to work the next day, you know? Um, number six, there's fewer posers. Okay. Um, most fans of college teams like went to the school or they grew up in the region where their team plays. Like if you're a Penn state fan and you didn't go to Penn state, but you're like grew up in Harrisburg, whatever, that's fine. You know, um, you, you just see more bandwagon NFL people, you know, they've jump on the cowboy bandwagon or the giant bandwagon or something. The people aren't really like saying, Oh, I'm a huge Ohio state fan. You know, you don't see that. Uh, number seven, more teams, more of everything, more teams, more storylines, more games to watch, bazillion channels, you know, more options. Number eight, you get non-conference like crossover and intrigue. Like, for example, Temple is going to play Maryland and Georgia Tech this year. They're going to play Miami next year. 
they're going to play Boston College. You're going to play Rutgers. So there's just more exchange in the non-conference slate. Georgia and Notre Dame are playing this year, for example. You know, uh, number nine traditions like OU and Texas play it at a neutral field. Florida and Georgia play in Jacksonville. South Carolina and Clemson they play their game at the end of every year. Okay, so those are like little quirky traditions that you just don't have in NFL. And then number ten, I wrote huge upsets: Appalachian State versus Michigan. That ain't happening in the NFL. Uh, James Madison ain't beating Virginia Tech uh, in the NFL. Troy against LSU, you know. So I like some of those early first two week kind of things. Or holy shit, this this team's on upset alert, you know. You don't really have that in a league like the NFL that has parity. So, I mean, college football has a ton of flaws, but those are my my ten reasons why I think it's better. I just I just think there's more to it overall. There's just more depth to it. I don't think it's a better. I'm not. I don't think it's a better product, per se. Um, but I just prefer it. College football, I think, if if nothing else, like the one nice thing about it is, I think the athleticism is still there. Um, and and like you compare different college sports, and you wonder how much of it really looks like what the next level is supposed to look like. I think in basketball, it's just so evident which guys are going to go on to be first round picks. I think in the NFL or in in college football, um, you know, you can you can always make a case for a guy who played on a smaller like for a smaller school who just didn't get the scholarship opportunities but looks like he could end up being a stud and like sure maybe he gets drafted in the third or fourth round maybe he ends up being you know haha the 53rd guy to make the roster mm-hmm. but like i think there's like a little i think the parody in it is is actually kind of nice and i don't feel like the quality of of what you're watching is is all that bad i just like how it's hyper local too and it's uh you know more geographic driven and whatnot i know that's not a great example not a great thing to say when you've had all this goofy conference realignment but you know for example like when we used to play pit like 70 miles up the road you know virginia tech was right on the border you know so you had these like cool like hyper hyper regional kind of things going on whereas like dallas and philadelphia are like 1500 miles away you know and a lot of people in dallas I do think it's easier to glom on to a to a bigger market like that though like i think being a, a, a fan of a pro team and maybe it's easy because like in PA, it's like half the state you're Philadelphia, the other half you're Pittsburgh, like, and and that's just the way that you roll. But like for me, college sports are so hard to root for because like it wasn't ingrained in me. I'm, like my parents didn't go to college; they went to trade school. Mm-hmm. I went to a D two school, so it wasn't like you know what like Westchester is not going to go off and and you know somehow make it into the NCAA tournament, right? Like they're not they're not going to go on and and play in the you know, college football playoff, like it's just not going to happen. So it, it's not, it's not something that I can relate to as well as the feeling of like, Hey, I live in the Philly area, so I'm going to root for a Philly team. <laughs> you know, like I, I can, I can root for, and this is like, I think the thing that like drives Philly people nuts, but like in college basketball, like if temple is the best team in the city and they're going further in the tournament, like I'm going to root for temple. If it's Nova, I'll root for Nova. If it's Dr- Drexel, I'll root for Drexel. If it's Fran Dunphy's mustache leading, you know, Penn, then, like, cool. I know he's not there anymore. <laughs> um, but, like, I-, I could get behind a Philly team. I think that's easier. For me, it was like, for football, it was like you had to root for Penn State. And that's fine. Yeah. And I-, I enjoy Penn State. Yeah. But, like, I-, I don't feel any any real affiliation to them. You know, I don't feel any any real loyalty to them. Maybe this is what it feels like to be in a state like North Dakota, though, where, like, you don't have a pro team. The college team is everything to you. So, like, I get why there are certain areas that that trend 
or tend to to lean well more the on sec i mean yeah and that's sec football in a nutshell right down there i mean people get offended when i say like that lincoln financial field ain't nothing compared to like bama auburn uga south carolina stuff like that but it's true man i mean i've been to both places okay like i've seen i've been to eagles tailgates and i've been to um you know penn state west virginia carolina whatever tailgates and it's just not the same man because like down there that's what it is for them that's their number one thing eagles fans are are passionate no doubt i mean like they they know they they are into it okay but it's like how would i describe this down there it's life okay it's life (laughs) um you know because in Georgia, in Georgia, for example, like I, when I was in Augusta, I was living in Augusta. The nearest pro sports teams are Charlotte and Atlanta. But people don't really care too much about the Falcons unless they're good. People don't give a shit about the Hawks. The Thrashers obviously left town because nobody gave a shit. The soccer team's great. Everybody loves them, ironically. And the Braves are just sort of whatever. Like People don't really care that much about them. The Braves are kind of like the Falcons. Like They care about the Braves when they're good. AKA now. And then Charlotte, it's like the Panthers are like only 20 years old. So not a ton of people like latched onto them. Um, then the Hornets is whatever. So it's Clemson. It's, it's UGA. It's South Carolina. That's sec football's number one, man. And they just like, are just more into it down there than the Eagles fans are up here. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like piss people off. It's just my observation of, of living in both, in both those places, you know, what do you think would happen if Alabama ever got a pro team? (laughs) <laughs> like in Birmingham, they played out of Birmingham. Yeah, like imagine if the NFL decided, like in, in a, a round of expansion, that they wanted to go in and try to tap into that market. I think it would do well. And they opened it and, and they started. Like, do you think, I think so? it would do well? But I because think it I've, would be like I, a. I've seen people in the past kind of kind of lose their mind and say that like it's a college, ta- like it's a it's a college state, and there's no way that a pro team should go mm. and try to like and try to siphon off some of that. Fan well, I mean, people. I think a good example might be like Oklahoma City. Um, I don't think people expected the Thunder to be as well received as they were there, you know. Um, that said, I mean, that's a basketball team in a football state, you know, OU, OSU, Tulsa. Um, so I don't, I don't know if putting a, putting a, yeah, putting a pro football team would necessarily, I, I still think Alabama, <laughs> Alabama and Auburn was still be one and two in that state. I think people would support them. Yeah. I mean, I think people would be into yeah. it, but, um, I just like college football, man, because it's just more. There's more pageantry about it. There's more hyper local geographic interest and stuff like that. There's more going on in the stadium, so just it just feels a little bit more organic to me. I don't know if that's a strange thing to say, but whereas the NFL, oh shit, um, just started raining here again. Um, I, but I don't. I don't know if the NFL has that has that kind of like smaller kind of personal kind of feel to it. I don't know if. That's a good way to describe it, but well, you just said small person. Uh, what do you think about Bagel Boss versus uh, versus Dykstra? <laughs> I, pr- I promised yesterday that I wouldn't I wouldn't write any more stories about it on the site until uh, until the fight happened or it was canceled. Because um, I think the running theory now is that one one of them is going to pull out. Right? Uh, do we think this thing's going to get actually make its way to the ring? 
guess who bought tickets on the secondary market for uh, for this fight? <laughs> no, you did. And has no. and has second <laughs> second row seats to Bagel Boss versus Dykstra. You would not believe how much they cost. I can't even say I can't even say Bagel Boss. I was, I was sitting there writing the story, and uh, my mother in law is actually down here because she's watching the baby. Um, and I'm like I'm like writing and working off the side, and I just start laughing in the middle of it because I just see Bagel Boss and it's like. <laughs> It just makes me laugh to see like Lenny Dykstra, who's like fifty whatever years old and and doing whatever he's doing now, and uh, the five foot five foot guy five foot guy who now cannot use Bagel Boss as his nickname because they threatened legal action against him. Uh, now he's going as the angry Bagel guy. Um, but I don't know, man. If we're breaking down the fight, uh, a fight that probably won't happen. You know, obviously the angry Bagel guy is at a reach and a height disadvantage. So he's got to get in close. He's got to take the fight to Lenny. He's got to, he's got to kind of walk him down. Um, he has to close the gap. I would get some body shots in, you know, cause he's not going to be able to effectively like get some head shots in. Uh, Lenny's got to use his, use his length and use his reach and just try to keep him at bay, you know? Cause I think that the, I think the angry bagel guy, I think it's going to be a little quicker and I don't know what his footwork's like. Um, oh, it's pretty good. Is it? There's a little bit of film on him. Yeah, there's there's some film. He's Remember, training he, with uh, like Chris Weidman. He takes in that he way. takes his uh, he takes the uh, the bag with the pretzels inside, right? And he throws it on the ground, <laughs> and he goes and he pivots away. And then when she starts laughing, he spins on a dime, man. Like the, I'm telling you, man, I'm gonna go Gruden for you. I'm I'm gonna go Gruden for a second. I'm telling you, man, this guy, he's uh, he's only five foot, man, but uh, he's he, he runs like a six a six point two forty, man. I'm gonna tell you something, man. This guy, he spins on a dime. All right, he's he's like Antonio Brown if he uh, actually had feet that work, man. He's uh, he's a heck of an athlete. <laughs> well, out here, they man. said that TMZ said the Bagel Boss has been training with like Chris Weidman and Ally Aquinta, who are both like new, the most New York. UFC fighters of all time, like Al- Ally Quint is like a he fought he fought Khabib like on like late notice and but he's like also a real estate agent or something on the side. Um, by the awesome. way, uh, the last UFC UFC two forty one last Saturday was phenomenal. Um, all three fights at the top of the card were amazing. Uh, Costa Romero um, was everything as advertised. The Nate Diaz fight was wildly entertaining, and the Cormier Miocic fight was entertaining as well. That was that went in my hot takes column. One of my hot takes was that I wish people would stop looking at MMA as just like you know violence, like two guys trying to bash their brains in. I mean, yes, you do get guys who are like you know strikers, boxers who just box and they don't do anything else. But you know, the best part about it is that like now, now when I watch MMA, I know what I'm looking for. Like I understand that like. One guy wants to go to the ground and uses jujitsu, while another guy wants to stay on his feet and do this, you know. Or I can I can see, okay, Stipe Miocic makes the adjustment, he starts going into the body, and then he gets the finish on Daniel Cormier. Like I know what I'm looking for this time. Whereas I think growing up, like you had a bunch of these like Guido New Jersey motherfuckers who just wanted to go to the bar and get a bunch of Heinekens and like watch some guy get his ass kicked. And that's not what MMA is, you know. It's not mixed martial arts is not like just bashing some dude's brains in it's a mix of like styles and and putting the fight on your terms and, and whatnot which is you know what the the bagel boss or what the angry bagel guy is gonna have to do to, to beat nails you know yep so since you uh brought up the 50 hot takes which apparently was the uh the programming for a few uh local sports shows which i you look at I mean, yeah i want to shout out i want to shout out uh jason Martinez and andrew salchunas at 97.5 The Fanatic for talking about the lists. 
um, the other day. I called in and we we did a few more takes. I shared my Bruce Springsteen take. I shared my uh, Jersey Shore vacation take. And um, yeah, we had a good laugh about it. It was fun. Are there any that you wanted to highlight on the podcast? Yeah, I'll highlight this one. Um, Number six. I don't know why people say you're doing, you're just doing this for clicks. Okay. Yes, that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get people to read the website, right? Like that. Now that's different from like clickbait, like click, clickbait. There's a difference between clickbait and like writing a, like a catchy headline. Clickbait means that there's like basically jack shit in the article. Like if I say like, check out this amazing picture of Joe Schmo. And then you click on it and it's just like one word and one picture. That's like boring. That's clickbait. Okay. But when you write like a tease or like an interesting headline that takes people into a story that then has substance to it, then that's, that's not clickbait. Right. But yes, the, the point is that we want to get people to read the site. That's why headlines are written the way they are. Cause they're supposed to pull you in, you know, that's that's part of it. We, in the in the TV industry, they're called teases, you know. So when you go to a commercial break, we we have what's called tease one, tease two, tease three, where Yuki Washington will go. Coming up next on Eyewitness News, uh, will it rain tonight? The answer may surprise you. Plus, will sitting down and drinking coffee kill you? We have the latest on a new medical study. Also, should you stand up at your desk or should you sit down? We'll give you that information. But first, here's Bob with the traffic. Right. That's it. That's a tease. Right. That's supposed to it's supposed to get you to stick around, you know, whereas we write headlines are supposed to like be interesting. It's supposed to get you to click on it, you know. So, yeah. Right. Uh, take number hot take number eight. When Wawa decided to partner with the Baltimore Ravens, the anti Wawa backlash was just a pathetic and trendy pile on Wawa is king and will always be king. And hot take number nine, Sheets still sucks, despite what Russ says. I'm not even, I'm not going to engage with you on this. Hot take number 37, Philadelphians need to go to other places besides the Jersey Shore in the summer. Thank God. Life is too short to go to Wildwood for 40 straight years, which is a take that you've shared before. Thank you for saying what needed to be said. This is the thing. If you have a beach house... If you have a shore house, then you are absolutely welcome to loving going to the Jersey Shore. But if you are somebody who goes and drops a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or a thousand dollars plus to go rent a shore yeah. house for you and your significant other, you're out of your mind. You should be taking that money, booking a five day, five night vacation to the Caribbean. You should take that money. Turn it sideways and stick it up your Rudy Poo candy ass. There you go. You should absolutely be booking a trip to the Caribbean where the beaches are nicer. People bring you your drinks at your wonderful lounge chair. You've got multiple different pools you can swim in. You've got a gorgeous ocean view. But that's not really, that's not even so much the point. The the point is that we, we as Philadelphia area natives... Uh, are very parochial and provincial, right? So it's like we go to the same. We go to Seattle City just because we went to Seattle City when we were kids, you know. Like for the last yeah, yeah. Years, and it's not yeah. like you know. I don't think that person is saying, well, 
uh, Cape May is a shithole. No, they just they don't they go to Seattle because they've always gone to Seattle, and like it's just a lack of like we just have a lack of. Uh, we are not very well traveled and we don't like put a lot of emphasis for some reason into going and doing new things and seeing new places and learning about different people and different ideas and things like that. It's the one basic, I think it's the most, I think it's Philadelphia's worst trait by far that we just are not very like adventurous and like uh, kind of seeing what else is out there and exploring different things and trying new things and going different places and stuff like that. This is all just an extension of that, you know? So Philadelphians continuing to go to the same Jersey Shore town is akin to that friend who decides that regardless of where they go, they like still end up ordering pasta, even if it's at like Applebee's, because they just don't want to try something new. And it's not even going to be good quality, but that's what they're they're used to doing, so they stick with it. I think it's really sad. I'll share. Uh, what else? Do you I'll have? share two more for you, um, and then we can wrap it up here, since I think my wife is trying to put the baby to sleep without me. Um, as you know, my life is over by the way. Uh, number 28, I would remove pregame availability from all sports. Uh, there's no reason for a coach or a player to have to speak to reporters before a game. And there's no reason for us to be in the locker room before the start of the game. Sure. I don't even know if there, I don't even know if there is a pregame availability with the flyers. I think sometimes there, there were a couple things, but like we never, at least last season, we did not go down for any kind this of... This might sound sound like hypocritical because as a media member, quote-unquote media member, like you think, okay, I want as much access as possible, right? But I don't feel like a coach who's preparing for a game or a player who's preparing for a game, who's working on a game plan, putting the finishing touches on a, on a game plan or, you know finishing up scouting or saying, oh, this guy's injured, this guy's, you're going to fill in for this guy. But they got game preparations to make, okay? They don't need to be talking to us, okay? We don't need to be in there traipsing around the locker room trying to get bullshit quotes from Ben Simmons. Like, I just don't think it's our place, you know? I think that, like, I'm a believer that, and this is hot take number 27 kind of bleeds into it, but like, I'm a believer that less is more. Like, I would rather have a coach twice a week for 25 minutes at a time instead of doing like five different press conferences of 10 minutes each. Right. I mean, cause you're getting, you're getting yeah. 50 minutes either way, but I feel like the, you get more out of 25 thoughtful minutes when the coach isn't like beaten down and having to see us every five minutes versus doing it every day, you know? So I just, I just don't, I think we can get plenty out of post game, plenty out of locker room. Like we don't need pregame quotes are very vapid. Anyway, you don't get much of anything. Uh, unless it's a situation where we haven't seen Brett Brown for like seven days because they've been on like a West Coast road trip and like, you know, Jimmy Butler gets into an argument with him or something, you know, like in special circumstances like like that, I understand it. But otherwise, I would just ax it entirely. So, yep. I agree. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, I'll give you one more. Um the halftime and between quarters interview must be removed from every sporting broadcast. Um, you mean you don't like uh, getting getting the uh, San Antonio Spurs clip that comes out like every time there's a national contest where Doris Burke walks up to uh, Greg Popovich and he gives her a slightly longer answer than he would to anyone else, but still not very insightful. Yeah, those have got to go. Actually, I lied. I'll give you one more and then we can wrap this thing up. Um just going to keep punting. Regarding uh, Howard Eskin, okay, I hear a lot of people say, um, well, at least he's showing up to press conferences, right? 
but then they turn around and they criticize like uh, Mike Missinelli for not doing that. Um, I, I don't. I think that's off base because Mike is working full time, like one to six thirty, doing his show, right, or two to two to six, and then whatever prep goes into whatever pre and post goes into it, right. Um, Howard is just doing a Saturday morning show and he does random spots on WIP. So like that criticism doesn't make sense to me because both those guys have different jobs and different schedules. Like I wouldn't expect Mike Missinelli to be at the Sixers game, you know, asking questions. Nor would I expect like Angelo Cataldi to be there. I wouldn't expect like John Marks to be there. So um, I never really understood that. People will counter that and people say, well, Howard went down to games and he worked sources and stuff even when he was on the radio. That's true. I mean, like he was a a hustler back then, but now it's just sort of like a fringe, like in my opinion, it's just like trying to stay relevant kind of thing. So, yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. I I also think that like, yeah, I I think for like these, um, like especially for for post game press conferences, it's like, how many times do you have to have somebody from the media that that's not usually around the team come down and ask a really stupid question that's like too general? And like I don't know how it is with uh, with Brett, but like last year, you know whether it was Dave Haxtell or or Scott Gordon, like you only get X number of questions as a media pool, yes. right? And somebody coming in and and asking just a moronic question that had nothing to do with the game. It just it's like that's that's another strike. It's like the the old thing like where the teacher gets annoyed at the class, so they say like you guys only have five questions left in the period. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, uh, what's the weather? Uh, what's for lunch? Right? And like they use up all five questions. It's it's like that. Well, I would that's add how I another, feel when I go down and get these schmucks. I would add like stop. another another thing where I would say I think like a general rule of thumb should be don't ask a question unless you intend to do something with the answer. Right. Like, yeah, don't ask a question that you don't that you're going to do nothing with the resulting quote. Like, and that's my problem with some people who show up there just to show it's like a see and be seen kind of thing. These are not working media. Like you have people that come down there just to show face and like say hello and talk to people and say, oh, I'm at the game. Look at me. I'm working hard. And then they ask questions and they do jack shit with the with the resulting quotes. So that's not the point. I mean, like the point is that credentials are issued for working media which means you're sitting there with a laptop typing taking notes during a game making observations or if you're a tv guy john clark you are putting that clip then on nbc sports philadelphia or he's doing social media while he's there um you know or if you're one of the radio guys you're taking the audio you're chopping it up and you're sending it back to the station for use so there's problem is we have a lot of media down there at, at these games who are not working media so I, I, I would actually kind of love, and maybe this makes me sound like an asshole, but I would love for PR people to get, PR staffs to get a little bit more strict with that kind of stuff and say, look, man, if you ain't fucking working, then get the fuck out of here. Get out of here, yeah. Fredo. My name is not, my name well, is not know. fucking Fredo. Yeah. yeah. Look at you. Probably my name is Chris like Cuomo. Totally my name circle. is not fucking Fredo. You know, I, I do think that if, uh, if nothing else, I've, I don't know how you are about this, but I like listening to the people that actually have insightful questions or thoughtful questions because it, it gives you a, an idea of what they're going to write about so that you don't end up writing the same thing. 
Oh, that's true. No, that's true. I mean, you do have people who ask, and you have have people who ask like specific stuff. Like, can you talk about you know pick and roll number four that happened at X time in the game or whatever? And like, you know, they're going to do something specific on that or like break that down in video or something like that. But like, you know, when when Howard comes in and he asks Ben Simmons a bunch of questions about his like working on his shot, and he gets a bunch of one word answers from Ben, that doesn't benefit anybody. Nor is he going to use the those sound bites for anything on his own anyway. So what's what really what really is the point? It, it's just for him to be upfront to ask the first question and to make it say, "Hey, here I am. I'm asking questions. I'm asking quote unquote hard questions, even though I'm not getting any answers that are worth a shit." So really, yep. what are you doing? Just it's existing. nothing personal, man. It's just yep. that's just a, a working media observation. So. I agree. Get busy living or get busy All right, dying. Fredo, I got to <clears throat> wrap this joint up here. I wish we could do... I would do Time hot takes. to I would bounce. do hot takes all night long if I could, but uh, duty calls, and when you have a child, you have no life. So, Well, and if it's a full diaper, then it really is duty calling. See what I did there? <laughs> Go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. They're all listed in the description of this episode. They're all linked, yeah. depending on the uh, podcast app that you're on. But, of course, all the Crossing Broad Podcasts from the podcast network are available on uh, pretty much any platform you want. Uh, just as a, a fun plug for our friends over at Crossed Up, uh, of course, on Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. on 610 ESPN Radio, uh, Bob and Anthony take to the airwaves. They've been doing their show. I think they've done three episodes now on 610 ESPN. So go give them a listen um, either on the radio or on the uh, 610 ESPN stream that you can find online. I think they also have an app available on Android. I don't know about uh, the Apple store, but go give them a listen, especially as uh, the Phillies continue to fight for a playoff spot. And uh, we'll probably mix in some Phillies conversation on next week's episode. We'll see how they're doing. Um, But for Kevin, I'm Russ. Don't forget to go check out Cinch by Amerigas. That's C-Y-N-C-H dot com. Use the promo code CROSSINGBROAD. Get yourself a new propane tank delivered to your house. They'll take the old one away for just $10. Yes, $10 for the delivery, the hauling away of the old one, and for the propane inside of the new tank. Just $10. You better do it. It's the only thing that makes sense in this world. Go enjoy Cinch. C-Y-N-C-H dot com by Amerigas. For Kevin, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week.